Also, if you're going to name a store Banana Republic, they should sell bananas. <laughs> they just should. What, are you going to have a banana store called Pants Republic? You should at least be able to buy a banana suit at Banana Republic. <laughs> Both in color and in shape. Well, well should we uh, uncork yeah. this we should, yeah, bottle of content? Uncork it, Papa. Okay, well, I mean, there's a lot. Does it, I mean, there's a lot, but there isn't. You know? Well, it's, uh, it's, this is Spite Me, first of all. First and foremost, this is the Smite Me podcast. Um, oh it's the Torah podcast where we read the whole damn Torah. How about that? But that for an intro. They said we couldn't do it. A lot of you hazer, haters and losers out there, um, and even some of you busters, said that we couldn't read the whole thing. I remember, I'll A never lot. forget when my rabbi sat me down and said, John, you'll never read the whole Torah. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, damn, you're an awful rabbi. And uh, I made him up, but... Um, you know, who's not made up is our guest. Um, he's a, a very funny and dear friend of ours. It's Ethan, everybody. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me back. Round three. That's right. You're you're in the hat trick club. Not too many of you. Yeah. Maybe none. Has anyone been a three timer? No, only wow. Ethan. And this is also special because not only are we going to fucking finish the Bible, it's going to be fucking toast after this. Not only is <laughs> Ethan back. But it's also our fa 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 fiftieth episode. What? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's fifty. That's the big five zero. You know what they say that when a show turns fifty, uh, it's usually in the public domain. And we do it for the people. We do. I also wanted to add that um, the timing, we haven't really been, it's not like we've been doing like every week we do the Torah portion, but the timing did work out where this is going to be released right around the holiday of Sibhat's Torah, which is the one where you finish reading the, the Torah and then start it again and throw candy at the rabbi. <laughs> oh, isn't that and, nice? Yeah. And it, it feels, you know, it's the end of an era in a lot of ways. Uh, we're finishing the Torah. The Queen of England is dead. She is. Yeah. Um, I don't think she. She probably didn't read the whole Torah. I'm gonna. I don't know if she's on record, but I have to think she has some weird stuff about the Jews. Like, there's no way she likes them. I mean, yeah. There's... No, I feel like maybe the royal family has always been a little bit like the English royal family has probably always been a little bit better about Jews as compared to other royal families of Europe thinking about the Russian the mm. Russian royal family mm-hmm. in particular thinking about some of the uh the Prussian royal family one of the one of the current i think one of the living windsors is like a nazi but other than that what what is a windsor that's their family the windsors is that their family name yeah they're allowed to have a last name. It's not just England. <laughs> Her first name is Queen of, last name is England. Okay, so I just Googled Queen Elizabeth Jews, um, mm-hmm. and there's an article on jewishchronicle.timesofisrael.com called What Queen Elizabeth Meant to a British Jew Like Me. And uh, mm. we're not going to read that, but you can. So. Um. <laughs> I don't know. I've been I've been having a lot of fun making fun of people in the United States of America who have been very, very, very highly effective, and I would say even traumatized by the death of the Queen of England. Yeah, there's a lot of like, um, 
dorks. Do, yeah, and like I feel like like opinion columnist type people who are like just love power as like a concept and like no nobility and are just like you know this means like, so much. It's like power that you have to like do absolutely nothing to have. Like you literally just have to exist. And yeah. Like, all the tributes were like, breathing. we praised her for being so constant. Like, she was always there. And it's like, Well, yeah. not anymore. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was pretty gotcha. constant until she wasn't. Yeah, you, yeah. you can't call her that anymore. That's true. Yeah. One thing about her is she was just so alive. Well. <laughs> I would hate to get that compliment or as a tribute yeah. to me. Like, man, you know, when he was alive, he was fucking there. I really loved how when she was Queen of England, she was the Queen of England. She never she <laughs> never got voted out. Oh my god. Isn't that nice? Yeah. Um now I'll leave it to the smite me listeners, you know, was she smited? Was it natural? It's not for us to say. I thought she was dirt biking. That's what I had heard. <laughs> <laughs> I thought she just was. Yeah, everyone dirt knew how active she was. That's true. She was throwing down a tail whip. And then Travis Pastrana looked back, and suddenly she was gone. <laughs> that's what happened to Paul Walker, isn't it? Yeah. You know, that's another wait. person who I think we get a little too much tribute to. I'm sorry, but I just did not feel that strongly about Paul Walker. Like, I feel like it's almost a national holiday for people. It, okay, well, that's what I was actually going to say, is that we should technically, as U.S. citizens, probably be having a national holiday every time a monarch of England dies. True. True. Yeah. Um, just just putting that out there as an idea for everyone to sort of not on, especially if you kind of feel like you have to express your condolences to one of the richest families in the face of humanity. Also, she was just old. Like it's not like she was a young queen. <laughs> True. Ninety six year olds die. Like it, it wouldn't every day. be that. It wouldn't be sad even if it was sad. You know. <laughs> mm-hmm. You'd still be like, ah. She did have good dogs, though. I'll give her that. Cute oh, dogs. True. Those little gingerbread loaf. Yeah. And now Do the it... dogs have names? <laughs> Are their last names England? <laughs> Corgi England one. Corgi England. <laughs> There's one of them. Um, one of the royals, like, she always wears Oakley shades. Um, it's so she's really a troop. Funny. Uh, what is it? Wait, okay. Thought experiment. Since we're, we were we were at like raising the question is of if the royal family is weird about Jews. What if Prince Harry, instead of falling in love with Meghan Markle, fell in love with just like some super like just a very Jewish woman? You know, just a la- just, <laughs> just like who wore a shadel and like. I mean, I wasn't even thinking that. I was just <laughs> thinking like. She like is from Connecticut and lives in New York and has like a marketing job or some shit. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like they would still they would actually like show their colors in a different way. Right. But I think it would still be like, wow, you're really gonna marry that old Jew, huh? They probably hit the J and the Jew pretty hard. How do you think the royal family's opinions of Jews changed after Prince Andrew was indicted or like guilty along with jeffrey epstein like they were buds i feel like and they then... would have just been like see we told you <laughs> <laughs> they're all like this. <laughs> not even that uh, not even that they do that stuff just that they're like not they're not good at covering their tracks they're too mouthy so 
<laughs> Someone's gonna get caught up. You know, honest, that is a funny thought to think that like the royal family's big problem with like people in Epstein's world is not what they were doing, but just that they like were indiscreet. I mean, I think I, that is how they feel. That's probably how a lot of people feel. Yeah, yeah it's a sad, sad thought. <laughs> Anyways, that might be enough of Queen Corner. Yeah, that's a lot of Queen um, talk. But uh, I mean, if, at any point, if we want to reference the the death of the Queen of England, you know, just feel free. It's it's funny every time you hear it. You know, here <laughs> here, and it'll it'll probably be funny for a while. Um, oh yeah, and then also, I don't think King Charles is going to make it very long. Just not even anything other than the fact that he seems to be a, a broken human being. Um, so you know, maybe we'll get two holidays in a year. We could if we could. Who's next after him? Sorry, not to do too much royal talk, but who is um the Will Will, Will, and, Will and Kate, Kate plus, plus eight. eight? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right. That'd be more well. of a fun, trendy monarchy. Okay. It is funny that the queen dies and we get someone. I don't. He her son's not obviously not older than him, but like older than her. But like he's like seems more old and fucked up he, than her. He might as well be older than her. I am my own grandpa. It can happen when you are that inbred. Um, Well. So inbred, you break time. Damn. (laughs) Wow. Find a wormhole in your own DNA. Anyway, fuck the Queen of England. Fuck fuck all, all the monarchies. Oh, just a side note. Someone tried to to get me uh, as I was being very insensitive towards the Queen of England by being racist and saying that I wouldn't feel the same way if the Japanese emperor died. And I just assured them that, yes, I would. Well, I mean, (laughs) not emperor, but didn't the guy just get assassinated? It's not like a super (laughs) hypothetical. Yeah. Shinzo Abe did. I mean, and that was kind of funny, too. Um, Anyway. Different uh, kind of funny. It is a different, different kind of funny. Yes, different kind of funny. The queen different dying politics. is funny because it's predictable. Shinzo Abe being assassinated is funny because it's fucking insane, and we all just kind of <laughs> um, moved on from it yeah. so quickly. That's yeah, okay. I mean, a lot of people like don't know a lot about Japanese politics, but like that guy was a fucking scumbag. So like, <laughs> yeah, no, not, not bad great. things. Who did it, by the way? Who did that? Some fucking dipshit. <laughs> yeah, like, some weird guy thing. who like lived with his mom and then like eventually also just got basically everything he wanted. Like the outcome that he wa- I I don't know. I'm not the one to <laughs> but I've heard Abe's job. <laughs> no, he wasn't Shinzo Abe was not prime minister at the Prince time. For a day. But apparently this one guy, the guy who killed him had some manifesto and apparently everything he wanted in his manifesto is more or less like coming to fruition. So he kind of like did his job. Wow. That's what I heard. I don't know a lot about it, but podcaster basically- says assassin did his job. <laughs> <laughs> He's he's fun though because he built his own gun, which was kind of funny too. You know that was going to be my question. Make that, yeah, uh, how did an issue of like gun control. So he killed- not that I think that that's a a, a a not a worthwhile conversation. It's just like, well, that's not really what happened here. So what he killed Shinzo Abe with a potato? <laughs> no, he just built a fucking battery that shot fucking shards of metal. Basically, damn, that's wild. Um, We've been doing he, a lot of non-Jews in the news. Are there any Jews in the news, or we just don't care because we're talking about dead people? <laughs> um, the Queen of England was Jewish. 
That's yeah, there's probably some weird Jewish magazine trying to claim that out there. The Queen yeah. of England is a direct descendant of the Prophet Muhammad. Wait, is that real? Yeah. I saw this. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I've seen the graphic. Yeah, yeah. Josh, you want to explain it? N- I couldn't. I mean, it's just like. So I think it's just, <laughs> yeah. So to my understanding Royals. is that the Prophet Muhammad, uh, you know, his descendants eventually, like, some of them were part of the um, Moors in Spain. And then, like, at, I guess at some point in, like, Spanish royal history, the Moors mixed with, like, the other, like, Christian royalty or something. And then the queen is a descendant partially of, like, Spanish royalty. So she is a direct descendant of the Prophet Muhammad. Damn. Let's wow. Roll with it. That's beautiful. That's yeah. That's the sort of thing um, where, like, you, hearing you say it, I'm like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. And like, someone could come up and start telling me that on a bus in New York, and I'd be like, please save me from this interaction. <laughs> 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 like, excuse me, brother. Like, do you have a minute? Like, could I? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> nope. Anyways, we don't have Jews in the news. We just have a big. Do we have any smiteable deeds? Oh uh, yeah, I killed the queen. So that was very nice of me. Well, you know, what do they say? From your mouth to God's ears, maybe one day. <laughs> Such a sensual phrase, from your mouth to God's ears. <laughs> God's like, um, could you back up? I don't need to <laughs> feel shivers down you my Take your mouth off my ears. I hope. Well, I'll just cap, cap off this segment with I, I hope one day all of the kings and queens die. You're here. And they will, because um, we, eventually- we all die. Yeah, and eventually that they have no children to succeed them. That I'm not um, so sure about. We can all, we can all do our parts. Um, anyways, you want to talk about this big old slam of Toro we got? Yeah, well, we, uh, we, this is the first, we usually do either one or two Torah portions, um, but this time we did three because they're the last three, and we decided, you know, let's get this over with. I think was yeah. was the general sentiment. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we thought it would be nice too to have not only a long time camp friend, but also the podcast alumni Ethan to come on because also Ethan's got some of the the sweet sweet knowledge in there too. And also, this is this is such a pivotal 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 point in the Torah um, because so so much of what we study now today just comes from this this silly little book that we read. I say see the little book. It's taken us about two years. Yeah. <laughs> um, shall we hop into it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You can just the general the general scene is the same as it's been for um, a lot of what are we Deuteronomy? Is that where we're on at this point? Exterior uh, sand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just like they're right on the border of Israel. They're kind of like reviewing everywhere that we've been so far, you know, touching on some key concepts. It's like a study study session almost for being the They Jews. keep trying to walk into Israel, but it's like when, when you try to take a shopping cart off of the lot and the wheels just lock up, they just kind of <laughs> like walk into the border and they just like freeze. Yeah. Moses is 120 years old um, and he's on his deathbed. And then God's Outlived like... the queen. Lived longer than the queen. Caught him. Um, Jews and- one, British monarchs <laughs> zero. <laughs> Guess we're just built different. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah. And then God's like, uh, take down this inspiring poem. Um, 
yeah, basically. So I got a little, I got a little summary here. Josh is right. Basically, Moses kind of hits up the Israelites to declare his age, which is no how you know he's lying. Um, and then uh, he tells Joshua, Josh, not this Josh, not this Josh <laughs> but he tells Bible Joshua that like, hey, look, it's on you, kiddo. After I'm done, um, and then God tells Moses that he's about to die and kind of calls a meeting, um, and he's got to climb up this big old mountain. And then Moses and God kind of write a song together that is mostly about the upcoming punishments of the Israelites. And then Moses is done writing the Torah, even this part, the part that is referring to him in the third person. So once they're done kind of having their little mountain meeting, they come. he comes back down and calls a, a big meeting to tell everyone the song. And the song basically goes a little something like this. God rules. People drool. God's the one who sets the, ba- the borders of nations. Eagles carry their young by attaching their chicks to the wing somehow. I don't know if you got that one. Um, also, Israelites are going to suck honey from a rock and oil from a crag. Um, oh, that rules. Yeah, I know. That's good stuff. But eventually, don't worry. All of this is going to go away and shit is going to get wacky. And a lot of people will die and they'll get really hairy from how hungry they are. Uh, beasts will bite you and the Lord will forsake you. Everyone will make fun of you because you were supposed to be chosen. But eventually God's going to come back and rescue you and kill everyone for making fun well, of you. Well, some of the message there is it's like it's going to be their fault. It's like they're going to forget all the shit that their ancestors went through. They're going to start worshiping the bad other gods, uh, even though I explicitly warned them not to. And then all this horrible yeah. stuff's going to happen to them. And he's saying this in advance, like, I know you will fail. <laughs> right. He, like, already laid out the warning of, like, this is what will happen if you fuck up. And then he's like, and you will fuck up. So, yeah. It's kind so, of a, so it's good. Some, I told you what will happen. In some ways, it's a relief, though, because then, you know, you like, I can kind of get away with anything because, like, you know, this is already predetermined. You know, they said. So you can uh, that's you know, true. fuck up it's, for a while. It's kind of on a, on a leadership tactics level. It's sort of if you tell someone, like, I know you're going to fuck up and here's how I'm going to punish you. It's like you know born to be wild yeah even if they didn't fuck up they would be going against god's will which would like probably also have it some, some sort of punishment because so, so, he said that's right die, uh, that's a conundrum yeah. right if god says you're gonna fuck up and then you damn man <laughs> i mean we all we all know he's gunning for this to happen yeah like he's definitely you know, feeling a little randy about the possibility of punishing some people also a huge it seems like at the end maybe i'll get to this later but it it seems like a huge point of getting the israelites out of egypt was to have a people that he could kind of just fuck around with constantly (laughs) yeah anyways you're my dolly so i'm gonna make you (laughs) gonna make you kiss it's like hey is this pharaoh bothering you (laughs) yeah i'd like to be bothering bothering you instead (laughs) <laughs> um god points out a mountain and goes hey climb up there and moses so you can die up there um so moses climbs the mountain and he shows him the actual land that is the promised land but he can't actually go there because god is still pissed off at him about hitting a rock instead of talking to it and then we have our last one also these chapters are very very short we're not actually skipping that much there there's not nearly as much stuff as there is in like some of the other ones but Okay, Moses blesses the Israelites because he's about to fucking die. And the blessing goes something like this. God showed up with laws and rules, and he liked Jacob. Uh, Reuben and Judah don't die. Levi, you're fine, I guess. I don't know. That line was pretty incomprehensible. You're supposed to teach laws, bless armies. 
uh, Benjamin is supposed to protect you. Joseph was awesome, and he had a bunch of kids, and they were all like wheat. Uh, Zebulon, I hope you like traveling. Issachar, I hope you like tents. Gad is a big cat. Dan is a little cat. Naphtali gets the sea in the southern regions. Asher gets oily feet. Uh, the Lord is going to help you kill your enemies, so that's fun. Moses climbs up the mountain, surveys the land, dies. He was 120. He did not go blind. It's like that. Um, there was that. I don't know if you guys were tuned in for this. Wow, sorry. The sun is like really just breaking through <laughs> a cloud. Um, right now. Um, if you guys were tuned into this, but there was like a moment when Jay Z first got on Twitter and he was just doing this really long Twitter thread of every rapper that he liked. He was like, "This person's amazing. This person's great. You know, Mac Miller, you nice too." Um, and this just feels like at the end, like it's kind of the end of the album and like Moses is sort of doing the shout outs a little bit like Joseph, you are a legend. I don't know. Um, and then after that, they throw a funeral for a month. That makes, I mean, that kind of makes sense. Right. Um, and no one was ever as cool as Moses was ever again <laughs> after that. Yeah. And then the thing that gets me is part of this fucking Torah portion is the first fucking chapter of Genesis. You don't even get to wait a week. They're like, start that fucking book again. Damn. Dude, get at it. <laughs> Run, Run that back. shit back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. Which is like, you should get a couple days rest after reading this before you just hop right back into fucking wacko Genesis land. Yeah, it's like siblings who are born in the same year. It's just like, can we not? Yeah, they did not. <laughs> you know, anyways, there you go. There's um, there's the Torah. That's it. That was the Torah. I Technically, we've summarized the entire Torah to you if you've listened to every single Bible episode. That's right. I know all you archivists out there, someone's making the supercut of just our summaries. And then if it's the night before the Torah test, you could just listen to that. You guys happy now? We did it. <laughs> we played your sick little game. I know how much everyone was clamoring for us to do this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everywhere I went, Josh, Josh, Torah podcast. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's like, and I mean, our summary, there's not a lot of like, are there any passages within those that anyone wants to highlight? Because it's sort of like, he's kind of just playing the hits at this point. Oh, yeah, very much so. There is the line, well, may think- my discourse come down as the rain, which I thought was kind of fun. Like that just, I made a note of that one, too. Yeah, you know, that could be a Twitter. <laughs> My discourse. I, I Do you have God thought... contributing to the discourse? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not unlike thing, what's happening here. It's like, here's my opinion about this. Like, like here's what happens if you diso- disobey me. Thread. <laughs> <laughs> one out of <laughs> 613. <laughs> yeah, damn. Um, I don't know. I thought it was interesting. This one really strikes me as I think this is like original Deuteronomy text. Like I, none, none of this seems like added later, um, mm-hmm. like some of the stuff at the beginning. I think probably people have been saying this shit for a while. I don't know. It's just like at the end of all of this, it is kind of a thesis statement. It's just that like the thesis statement is just kind of even for like a pretty conservative religious document, not at all what you'd expect it to be. Yeah. It's just a sort of like obey it's just like obey, but I know you won't, and boy, it's gonna get wild for you when you don't. Yeah, I love the idea in this. They keep so this like warning, like ultimatum, basically to the Jews. It's in the form of a poem, and I like the idea of like a very threatening poem that you teach to someone about their own future. 
like here's a limerick I wrote you. Like there once was a person named you who taught you how to be a Jew. You're gonna fuck up. If you like threatening poems, you should check out a little guy named Eminem. <laughs> Rapper. <laughs> um yeah. Well, I think it's also like, what if you in kindergarten, like, instead of learning the cleanup rhyme or whatever, you just learned a line that was like a rhyme that was all the reasons you could get time out. <laughs> yeah. And every time you like messed up, it's like, well, you know the poem. And it's also like, I feel like we all grew up in like the reform movement and like we pride ourselves on not being like fire and brimstones and shit, but like this kind of fire and brimstones vibes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oily feet. That was a reward, though. Asher has oily feet. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was thinking about this the other day when I was just using, like, olive oil. And I'm like, this feels luxurious to me now. When I'm like, if you had to hand crank this, like, just using any amount of oil probably would feel like popping bottles in the ancient world. I don't know. Probably. You got to have a goat if you're not going to do it by hand. You need to have a lot of olives. You need to have a press. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I guess, yeah, olive oil is pretty luxurious. So luxurious you can put it on your feet. <laughs> I, uh, this is a fun thing. I'm, I'm reading at the end uh, and all the warnings, and there's a part about cannibalism. What? At least in the, the, the one that I'm reading. Is it about venomous creepers in the dust? Uh, no, it's uh, <laughs> talking about like uh, you're going to be so fucked. There's going to be an enemy nation that's going to come. And, and take all your shit, and then it says, like, and that's finally, and when you are shut up in all your towns throughout your land that your God has assigned to you, you shall eat your own issue, the flesh of your sons and daughters that your God has assigned you because of the desperate straits to which your enemy shall reduce you. Damn. It's, it's like, like, you're, you're going to be, be so desperate, desperate and pathetic. pathetic. You're, you're just going to eat each other. You know what's kind of interesting about this, though? Is that in a weird way, I feel like putting this in the document does sort of help the tradition, like, stay alive. Like, it kind of puts it into, like, because, you know, like the, the, the Israelite people and the Jews kind of get their ass kicked at various points in history, as we all know, and sort of just get tossed around in a lot of different ways. But, like, if you have this in the text, it kind of lets you just be like, yeah, see, we're, we're going through a period of uh, total fucked upness. Yeah, no, I see um, what you're saying. It like yeah. kind of is a gives some people some context for their own suffering if if they happen yeah. to be suffering. And like the hyper specificity of it kind of works because, like, you know, you're going through whatever you're seeing, and you're like, okay, well, we're not shutting our houses and eating each other, so like, I, you know, it could be a lot worse. Like, yeah, you know, I I, I guess it, it's it's an interesting way to sort of like instill faith which is like dude it could always be way worse have you read this shit it's definitely a bummer of an ending i mean it's not it, i would not say this book has a happy ending which no one ever no one ever claimed it did but and then you just have to then it, that's what's fucked up about like you just have to go right from all this darkness to be like in the beginning days and then you're just like oh we're just doing this again okay trapped in a cycle Maybe it's like one of those like comedy songs where like you just kind of repeat it over and over again, and then it like becomes funny because you're like, "This is so funny, I'm repeating it," and then you're like, "Kill me, this is still going," and then you're like, "Well, I guess it's funny that we still haven't stopped," you know, like, but in terms of the value of it, ah, uh, the mm-hmm. sad kind of funny. Yeah, yeah. There's a, something sort of tragic comic about starting over. Um, I a part of it, a dynamic of this final few chapters that made me laugh is like, it's so threatening. Like, it's like, 
you know, here's all this horrible stuff that's going to happen to you. No matter what, you're going to fail. Um, you know, they're going to be cannibals, etc. And then Moses, who God has just been like, I'm not letting you in. You're going to die here. Go crawl up this mountain and die. He's like, he's like, God loves you. <laughs> God loves you so much. He calls God a lover indeed of the people when he's like introducing what's just been said, which is just like, I feel like kind of captures the dynamic pretty well. A lover indeed. Yeah. Mm. Mm. God is my lover indeed. Mm. <laughs> I would say he's a fighter indeed. <laughs> a little scrapper. Yeah. yeah God we, is, a, we have a scrappy God. We have yeah. such a scrappy God. It's wild. My, my God, God is, is a scrapper. There. Yeah, I don't know how much there is really to say about this portion. It's just like a... It does, I guess, like distill the essence of kind of the back half of the Torah pretty nicely. Yes. I would agree. It's a lot of like rules, rules, and like here's what I'm going to do to you if you don't follow them. Well, it's kind of interesting to me that so much of the Jewish tradition is sort of like, as we know it in the modern context, is sort of like codified in this book, Deuteronomy, more so than the other books. But it is kind of interesting how, like, when we're growing up, we don't hear too much of any of this. Right. This book legit has, like, the two most important phrases in Judaism and whatever. A lot of sort of the, like, the laws and stuff and the teachings that we learn are kind of from this. They don't ever really talk to us about, like, yeah, and then at the end of the Bible, you know, God makes sure that you know that the the demon Meriri is going to kind of come after you at some point and that all of your fucking endeavors are going to be for naught. And that the, the he'll make the, the fucking sand eat you alive or whatever. Right. It's like God said to like, you know, welcome the stranger and forgive your debts and like a bunch of other stuff that was probably just as good. Uh, but, you but know. then it's the question of like, would we rather have had them kind of shield us from it and teach us like a neutered version of this book or had them teach us like fire and brimstone and that we're all sinners i mean i guess there's also the third option of them trying to be nuanced and being like this is what this book says but we don't believe all of it but it's still in here so let's discuss why like i don't know i guess it it all could have been more nuanced but also we were just kids man but i think it's also like uh, a time issue right so for like most average you know, American uh, Reformed Jewish kids who are going to Sunday school maybe once a week, if that, you know, if you only have people for a set period of time, you're not going to, if you want to hook them, I mean, unless like the really weird kids, no one else is going to get hooked by saying, oh, you're going to be chased by the evil demon if you don't do all this stuff. Like you're, you're going to try to play the hits to get them in and then, you know, yeah, then you learn about the evil demon. Right. Like the the point is not necessarily to educate you about the fullness of the religion it's to get you to identify as that and then they'll add on some of that stuff later right yeah they knew you would start like a, a torah podcast with your your camp friends in uh in 15 <laughs> years so that's a that's the hook i mean they kind of were right like they put us all together and here we still are so i guess the inverse you know. of that is like in more in more religious communities like that are more by the book, like they don't really feel the need to have a hook. Cause it's just like, no, you are in this religion. There's no hook. You're just, this is what you do. Like the idea of a hook, it doesn't even 
fit the context of that. Right. Yeah. Kind of only you only need that in like a secular society. Or if you're trying to at least get people within the secular society to feel like they have a connection. Yeah. To, but I mean, I, I, yeah, but also at the same time, it's like, what's, what's like the draw then, right? Is like, if, if it's really just sort of about sort of like a very cursory glance at the like tradition or whatever. Well, I think maybe it is the education we got, which was like less about the words of the book and more about just like the tradition, right? Tradition, tradition. 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 Like, like the thing that we taught was cool about being Jewish was like doing Shabbat and things. It wasn't mm-hmm. like, oh, you remember how in the book of Numbers it turned out that if you do this with a turtle dove, you get to, you know, sell your wife for 15 pence or whatever the fuck. Like, that's not, that's not what we got taught. So maybe that's a little bit part of the point too is like the the value of it is less this book itself and more just the things we do because of it yeah i suppose there's kind of an honesty there about like people are not gonna like what it actually says so like let's stick with the stuff that's kind of almost like sentimental value like well we've always been doing this so it is meaningful right um i was thinking since we kind of uh like we've said maybe all we can say about this chapter should we just uh do a kind of a speed round where we just go from uh start from Genesis and just kind of run through what we've learned, see if there's any new insights. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, beret sheet. So that's, I mean, Oh, you're going portion by portion. I mean, I was gonna, it's the freaking Torah, baby. We finished. Oh, wow. I'm not prepared at that level, but I'm not prepared at that level at all. No, that's I mean, I could riff (laughs) there. Uh, that's like a hundred (laughs) portions. Damn, true. <laughs> I feel like we can stop. I mean, it's as many portions as well, uh, the uh, the grain lobby wants you to have on the uh, fucking pyramid. Fuck, what? I fucked that up. What'd you say? <laughs> what? <laughs> the brain lobby? <laughs> <laughs> I. I was okay. You could cut this. This is bad. I was trying to make a joke of like a hundred portions. Like that's how much like the corn lobby wants you to have when they took over the uh, oh. nutritional pyramid. A hundred portions of corn, <laughs> dude. I, that shit was true though. <laughs> Ethan, you have kind of a curious thing where I think you have a very like authoritative voice. So like I was hearing you say that the first time around, and I was like, yeah, okay, like whatever the hell he's talking about. I'm like, yeah, that's probably right. <laughs> I feel like you have like kind of like a radio voice. <laughs> We're oh, talking about oh, the corn lobby. The corn lobby. Yeah, the corn lobby. No, we'll keep that in. You, you can yeah. never really like remove corn lore from from an episode. Wow, right, are you, you, you corn lore it up a little bit? We should corn we should lore. see if we can get Tariq the corn kid on the podcast. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. That would be something. Okay, we don't have to. I mean, I guess I was just, I don't know. I don't know what I thought was going to happen. I just think it's interesting that this whole thing started with like, in the beginning, there was blah, blah, blah. And then light and fucking animals and Adam and Eve. I mean, I mean, damn. (laughs) He builds that ark. I mean. Go on. <laughs> okay, and then we get Abraham. This is all me going just based on I'm on Wikipedia on the page for Genesis. So just going off the dome here and off Wikipedia. 
Um, yeah, I was gonna say no, you're not. Gonna go out <laughs> yeah, but I'm like, all I see is like Parshat Noah, Parshat Leklaha, and then I have to remember what it is. So Leklaha, that's the one where God tells Abraham, "Go on, get and start the Jewish people." Um, go on, get, get. Um, and then let's see. What- you just gives Abraham permission to stop. He's like, "You gotta come on, go on. You know go what on. you gotta do." I mean, he essentially gave Adam that same permission, right? Adam, I think, more gave himself yeah, yeah. permission. You know, maybe, okay, in the spirit of uh, your whole Torah analysis train that we're going down here, there's kind of like a, one of the big symbolic first things that happens is God saying to uh, Abraham to kill his son, Isaac. He's like, I'm God, and I'm saying it, and you should just go for it. And then he's about to do it, and then he's like, that was the test you passed. And I feel like the Torah kind of ends on someone dying because they didn't pass the test. Yeah, you that's, know, uh, it's a you very gotta, good uh, Rabbi Lee point. It's a yeah. radical ass point. It's just like follow the rules, boy. Is I'd say that's like honestly the overarching lesson I've gotten from the whole Torah. It's just interesting because it, it's it's been about follow the rules from the beginning, but at a certain point they just stopped giving us juicy stories, and we're just like, no, there's just more rules. You can apply the stories you've already heard to these new rules. Like, what do you yeah. want from me? Well, it's like the arc is like, it starts off as a story to, I, you know, it's kind of like explaining how we like got to this point of like the present of the Torah in a sense. So it's like, here's the world was created. The Jews were created. The Jewish like nation was created. And then Israel as a place where the Jewish nation lived was created. And like, here's the rules that will bind that place together. So I feel like it's very like society instruction manual. And then I guess the next part that gets us to where we are is like he they he, they have to send Joseph in there to like be the such a special boy that he is a slave, and then it, we follow, we as a people go to Egypt so that we can be enslaved. I don't know. It's all very like it all seems well, very storyboarded. Could, like they had a plan. It, I think the, an interesting way to think about it is like Genesis is sort of uh, like. The, the like the opening crawl of Star Wars, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Where you got to set everything up, and what like what they're describing is not just like the story of Jews; they're kind of describing the story of like everyone in that region, right? Right. Um, and like here's the people who like we've historically kind of like been at odds with, and here are the people who, you know, this is me extrapolating, obviously, like are related to us in some way because they speak a similar language to us. After that, you get to Exodus, and that's where you kind of get the, okay, this is now we're talking about the story of the, like, capital J Jewish people, right? Which really starts with, like, the the Exodus from Egypt because the whole point is that God, like, rescues them, right? Because that's the thing that – that's, like, the main thing that we're supposed to identify with is, like – like, we're not – I mean, we're supposed to identify with Abraham a little bit, I guess, but it's mostly we're supposed to identify with, like – for you were a slave in Egypt. Like, I feel like that's the, the refrain that gets brought out more often. Absolutely. Yeah. Those are like kind of the top two. It's like it's this generational promise that keeps renewing itself. And like, that was the most extreme version of like, I will truly, I will free you from bondage. If you, uh, the only Jew, I guess in Genesis who technically was a slave in Egypt is, uh, Joseph. So all the rest of the people, um, they didn't, they didn't come from the streets. They didn't come from slavery. They don't know what it's like. 
to come as a slave. Wait, what? What did is that? Is there that a other point? Jews that were slaves there though? At the same time, he just was a Jew and they didn't know it. Well, he was. What's the? It's, he was this. He was a slave, like not like building the pyramids. He was just one like random dude slave. Yeah, his brothers threw him in a pit and sold him as a slave. I don't know. I was just I was making the point that like you know the the whole thing to identify with is having been a slave. But then we're talking about the prequel book, like the book of Genesis, mm-hmm. and then it, within that, there's only one oh, uh-huh. real identified person as a yes. Jew and a slave, and that's yeah. Uh, Joseph. Yeah. Also, I know that there's like we we haven't really gone over it, but we've only gone over it kind of briefly before. We kind of only talked about it in the context of Deuteronomy, but like. These different sections of the Torah are like written by different people in like some pretty different circumstances as well. And like I think Genesis is probably like the the big collection of stories from whatever the fuck the people were before they were like quote unquote Israelites or Jews. Like whatever oral stories kind of existed for however many thousands of years before it ever got written down, it's that and I think Exodus is kind of really where it starts being less of an anthology and more of the like, hey, we're sitting down to write our story. The other three books legitimately just written by different people who are in power at different points. And we talked about it in the context of Deuteronomy where it was like these are priests writing down kind of Judaism 2.0, which solidifies their power a little bit more. Rituals, holidays, taxes owed to special priestly people. Yeah. So, I mean, I th- which is kind of an interesting overall, too, is like even within the text itself, you can kind of see its purpose evolving with the passage of time. Like, I think part of the reason why Genesis is so chaotic is because it, it is just supposed to kind of be like the notepad. Yeah. Of like, we've decided these are the important stories. We don't really remember how they all went, but like, these are the key points you need to know. Yeah. And mythology is like a little looser than like rules or religious guidelines. Like, it's kind of just like, here's what we believe about how things happened. And it can kind of be a little more, I don't know, just like the point is less literal and more just like philosophical, emotional narrative, just like. It's certainly not enough to hold, like, I would say, a person, like, a civilian's interest. Like, I wouldn't say that I've enjoyed it reading it, per se, but <laughs> it is definitely, like, an interesting... You can really see the gears turning on them, like... Or it's like, it shows many different things that people in power would do to convince a group of people to do something else. Like, it shows a couple different moves. It's like... You do kind of see the different yeah. strategies play out. Yeah. All right, story time not working. I guess we'll do threats. I guess we'll try just like straight up threats. Yeah. yeah. Do do a lot of rules at once. Uh-huh. See if that works. Yeah. You know, just being very literal. That's right. Somebody yeah. he read my the the manual. Well, I mean, that's that's. I don't think it's that. I don't think it's that much of a leap to say that that's part of why for longer than not people in power have pretty much discouraged the reading of the book. Like you're supposed to get in like a lot of traditions and for a very long time, including Jewish tradition, like you're supposed to get the message from a quote unquote qualified professional, right? You're not supposed to like get in there and read it yourself because you might read it yourself. And and 
in some ways, it's either you'll find different things that you kind of like better and are more important to you, or kind of like we have, you might read it and be like, this shit sucks. Is the is the tradition of having like congregants come up and read from the Torah, is that a newer one? Like was it used to just be rabbis doing it? I I mean, it's, it, I it strikes ask. me as very modern. It's invented by the yacht industry, man, to sell more yachts. <laughs> Big yacht. <laughs> Big hand. Big <laughs> yacht. I don't know. That's a, that's a good question. I wonder when, like... Well, I think it has it has to be when kind of, like, Jewish clergy stopped being, like, capital C clergy and started being rabbis who are kind of just people who decided to spend a lot of time reading this and studying it as opposed to like priests who kind of have like a lot of other responsibilities. Right. And, and so I don't like, like a, a priestly, priestly family. family. I would say that the, the tradition of, a you know, average random person coming up to read the Torah, uh, I think partially I'd say bar mitzvah involvement, but I would also say that like in its contemporary thing, it's probably an economic one. Um, because if you're going to run a synagogue, you need donations and you want to make people feel special. And if you bring them on up, uh, you know, you feel special. Yeah. That yeah. is a great up. point. No. Read from the Bible. Step right up. You said like a carny next to the <laughs> little squirt game into a oh mouth. And but next to the, the rigged basketball game, just a guy yeah. with a Torah. And he's like, come yeah, on up, I'm an Aaliyah. <laughs> You're trying to read from the Torah. He's like guessing your weight. <laughs> <laughs> so you look like a smart guy. Hey, smart guy. Come read. <laughs> wow. Damn, that's such a like, that's kind of dark, but also kind of just reasonable. Like, yeah, how do you? Damn. And it's hilarious that also in Catholicism, they're just like, you're not getting up there. (laughs) (laughs) We're passing around the plate. They give you snacks. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a little cracker. Stay on the... Here's a little cracker. Get the fuck back in your chair. Stay on the bench. (laughs) I just also think it's very funny that after reading this book, too, and especially the last section, it is kind of funny that religion has just constantly been worrying about what happens when people don't want to do this stuff anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That, that that's that final note is like yeah, and you're probably not going to listen to anything. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's very much an admission of like, listen, you're not gonna. You think you're gonna remember everything in here and do it all? It's, you think that's just going to come naturally to you? No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah read, read it again. again. Read, read it again. again. Yeah. Well, and it just shows you that like this, you know, this exists in a society. Like they vary or like how's how's it going to play? You know, it's not just like this is the straight truth and that's that's the end of it. It's like. The strategy is bleeding out into what they're telling you. I don't, I don't know. I think it's interesting that, like, even within the the big religious book, it's like, how do we get them to show up? Right. Yeah. Butts and seats. They're wor- they're worried about Jews marrying non Jews in the Torah. Like, <laughs> right? You'd think they could just they write the that same, out. They have the same concerns as the fucking people who founded Birthright. Like, yeah, yeah, that is kind of an interesting admission from like religious people acknowledging that like what they're selling isn't really what people want to buy. Right. They're like, they like are strategizing and planning for how, what to do if people 
don't want to do all this stuff. It's just then it just goes to show like why not just do what people do want. <laughs> well, I feel like at like one be, time this would... was what people wanted. Some of it, you know, and you're like, yeah, live in a weird uh, fiefdom, and then every now and then some like big mongol on a horse comes through and just slaughters you in the rest of your village and then there's a book that's saying oh hey man here's the the powers and you follow these rules like you're covered like you don't have to worry about these guys yeah so no that's that's true i mean we can't can't discount the appeal of like here's the way the world works like that's an appealing message but or also that like it's it's you know we we joke about it a lot but like I think a lot of people can feel overwhelmed by like all the all the different ways you can approach life and they can also be just like not that into some of the things that are like not allowed in this so they can kind of be comforted by the fact that like oh well I mean I may not like like these taxes or whatever but like at least the priests say you can't just like fuck random people on Wednesday that doesn't seem right to me um and also just that like uh, it, they do you're right josh that it, this is also written for society and like people honestly and truly like don't always necessarily think completely rationally about like their own self-interests or ethics when it comes to like structuring societies and stuff look yeah. at all the people who are fucking crying about a dead queen like you know uh not to be super crass about it i mean to be cr- super crass and not just to re- make it back but like even if you're, like, not a colonized person, like, even if you're just the random British person, like, the reason why any family at all ever had that power was because they stole fucking food from probably your ancestors. Oh, I want you ever right? do to you, brav. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, yeah. like, it's not that hard to imagine that people could just, like, get behind a charismatic priest and be like, yeah, fuck the Israelites. Like, we are going to fuck up, and guess what? We'll deserve it. Like, mm-hmm. And that... Know. Ultimately, like, there's, like, this weird mixture of, like, they're both, like, giving you this very, like, kind of pragmatic, like, here's how things ought to be, here's this way of life. And then they're just sort of also, I think, kind of providing this, like, existential remedy of just, like, everything's going to be fine. And it's actually within your control to assure that that's going to be the case, like, as long as you follow these certain steps. Which that's pretty appealing. That's like saying people have agency over their own lives, which like... Then it totally contradicts that and says like, and you're not going to be able to do it. But I guess that's just a challenge. That's just them being like, maybe that's just them trying to hype us up. Like, you won't? You won't follow all the commandments? Yeah, I mean, I think it's like, (laughs) I don't know. It's just like showing them like the kind of inverted version of the Torah's promise of like, you're going to fail and everything's going to be horrible. So that will really make you want to not fail because you think everything will stay good. That was like a big vibe for the like younger pastors when I worked at the Christian talk radio station. They would like get on their shows and be like, I challenge you to follow Christ. <laughs> and they'd make it very I double dog dare you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my God. That's oh man. <laughs> Today we're doing the uh, follow all of God's laws challenge. So the way you're going to want to do this one is. What's up guys? <laughs> Basically, today we're uh, following all of God's laws to fight ALS. Um, <laughs> nah, you know, because that's a fucking challenge. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna be do- we're gonna be doing we're both gonna be trying to do the world's biggest trick shot and who can follow the most of God's laws. 
God does not have any commentary on trick shots, so we're we're doing our best to interpret. <laughs> yeah. what, what if there? What about a guy who like he roots for the Washington Generals because he's super religious and he's like, what the Harlem Globetrotters are doing, like that's that's against God's will. <laughs> I'm sure there's somebody who there's someone who in the deep south for no other reason uh, was like, yeah, this is ungodly. We will not be hosting the Harlem Globetrotters. Oh, I am sure that's why, for some reason, some people just inexplicably hate the Utah Jazz. Do you guys it's know that like, the Utah Jazz? You guys know that they're um, whenever they win a game, they play Hava Nagila. What? Yeah, this, <laughs> it's like a weird thing. Is that like whatever the Utah Jazz? Like that's their victory song. Like the New York Yankees, they play New York, New York. By Frank Sinatra and the Utah Jazz play Hava Nagila. That plays into my theory. I don't know if I've shared this theory on the show, and it's not. Just, I think a lot of people think this, but I, I feel like that plays into the theory that Mormons want to be Jews so bad, more than anything no, no, in the world. Mm, they wish they've they gone were over Jews. this. They we think have, that they're have. the real Jews, right? So that's why they have their basketball team play Hava Nagila when they. Not that the Utah Jazz, is, not that the Utah Jazz is the Mormon basketball team. You call them the Utah Jizz. <laughs> <laughs> you Come know on. me, I'm a little yeah. prankster. Little little prankster. The Golden State Warriors and the Utah Jazz. <laughs> Golden State Warriors. Wow. Well, how does it feel now that we read the whole thing? How does it feel? Well, actually, Ethan. Ethan, please. Please, you know you've been you've been here at various stages of uh, uh, of this show. Let me posit this question to you: How have we changed <laughs> now that we've read the book? I think you all have a you all have lost weight. Um, <laughs> you 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 look you're glowing. Uh, you you look confident. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think uh, I'm proud of you guys. Uh, I, the haters said, uh, you know, no one believed that you'd get all the way through. Um, but you know, I think it's, it's pretty cool. You guys did the whole thing and, uh, you read, I think you definitely, now you can say authoritatively, you know, your opinions on, on the Torah, uh, in certain contexts. Um, it is a think, sick tool to have in our argumentative arsenal. I will say, I'll be like, have you read it? Have you read the whole thing? Cover, <laughs> cover written in the margins, <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 Recorded a podcast about it. <laughs> Chabad.org is one of my top searched fucking websites. What can you uh, fucking say? <laughs> Man, you've been giving them all the cookies. Yeah, damn. Wow. <laughs> Nestle Tolhouse over here. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think, I think, rather than me doing it, I think I'd, I'd like to hear your own self reflections on on how have you changed. I started this book bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I think I did, like, I don't know. At the beginning, it was, like, Genesis has a lot. Genesis and Exodus both have a lot of, like, narrative and, and juiciness and excitement. Maybe not a lot of excitement, but some. And I, I do feel like there is a certain, like, after a certain point, it's just they stopped telling us stories and it got all serious and it was a bummer. It like felt like felt like it like reading the back half of this thing felt very like adulthood like you know what I mean? Like hashtag adulting. Mm-hmm. Like it's not fun and it like we thought we were gonna make it and we did make it fun. Part part of that was Didn't we have fun? We by watching the Don't Mess with the Zohan and Hebrew Hammer because we realized that it was turning into kind of a snooze fest. Um 
but yeah, we did the serious part, which was is harder, and we are very accomplished. And Spot- we are very accomplished. Spotify should give us a hundred million dollars. Yeah, true. Joe Rogan. We've done a lot more reading than Joe. That's true. Maybe I don't know. I wonder. He he re, he re, probably scrolls just really fast on his phone, like really fast. Or yeah, like he like listens to audiobooks at like three x speed, <laughs> like on the treadmill. Uh huh. And insists that it's all going in. Yeah, I think you guys should pull a reverse Joe Rogan and go from podcasting to like weird stunt shows and just like <laughs> MMA. make your own weird like fear factor. Oh my like, god! Whoa, that stunt was biblical. <laughs> <laughs> Or do the the Jewish trick shot channel? <laughs> oh my god! It's, I'm going to apologize you know, directly to Ethan for interrupting him to make that joke. No, that was good. What if we all move to Austin and just do like the weird, like libertarian alt right uh-huh. of this podcast? We become like free speech guys. Yeah, call it like "Don't Smite on Me" or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think one of the things that's actually been. Uh, a slightly serious point, but that has been interesting to learn is I don't think anyone from the very get-go, from like the first time people started writing down the letters in Hebrew, it's been kind of interesting that I don't think anyone has been really using this book as the way it's presented as like a straight-up manual for religious thought. Like even from the very writing of it, it's always been about like convincing people of something and it's always been it seems to me at least it seems like it's always been less about the the words and more about the fact that it's the holy book does that make sense totally there's like no one has the like the if if jews were people who got tattoos no one has the tattoo of their favorite torah verse in the way that like in other religions like people really know what the words say in a big way yeah, and I think also what's interesting is like the um like the big importance of the Torah is really actually not so much what's in it as it is just the concept that you have a holy book. Yeah. written by the holiest prophet. Like in a weird way, like those last like the last paragraph of this book kind of puts like seals the deal on it, right? This was written by God's favorite prophet, and there was no prophet who was ever as cool as this one and who was ever as holy as this one. Even though he didn't even get to go into the holy place because he yeah. was mean to a rock. Because he was pissed. pissed. But yeah, but I think it's interesting. that So it's like it's, – it's, sometimes it's kind of funny to like – when you think about like people arguing, oh, well, what's the intent of the text? Or like, you know, yeah, maybe it's written in this way, but like is there a more modern way we can interpret what this law is supposed to teach us? Where it seems like it doesn't always really seem like it's actually trying to teach us anything. In a weird way, it is kind of like uh, it's just kind of like a, a slab of text, and then you take the piece and you put it in. It's like a fucking Leatherman tool. Yeah, like it's just supposed to have at least some version of everything you might possibly need. Uh-huh. Or it probably won't do anything that well. I remember being a kid. And learning, like, at camp or synagogue or something, the idea that, like, there are all these Jewish values, like, visiting the sick and stuff like that. But all of the – but the study of Torah comes before all of them. 
right? The study of Torah is the highest one. And I remember as a kid thinking like, mm, that doesn't seem quite right, but maybe I just haven't read the Torah and so I don't know how good it is. But now that I've read it, no, visiting the sick is obviously better than uh, reading this book. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like cooking a meal for your grieving neighbor is like a million times more important than like reading the last chapter of Deuteronomy. Right. Like what it but what is it when they tell us to burn the oil cake? What does that really mean? Um uh, yeah, my, my kind of lasting takeaway is fairly similar or is like related to what you were saying, Ani, whereas I don't think I don't think this has really taught me that much morally or even like distilled in me and exactly like this is what Judaism is about, but rather it has shown me how Judaism operates. It's like given me a new way to understand just how many kind of deliberate choices were make were were made to make modern Judaism like function the way it did. Like it just it just makes me see like just how many they you know a group of people saw what was in this holy book, decided what they wanted from it, and then took a whole other universe of stories and commentaries and then, like, fashioned this thing called modern Judaism. And I would not have known how different those two things were unless I went through and read the whole Torah. Like, it just shows... Yeah, it just shows that, like, we're in a very different time now and a lot of people have made deliberate choices to steer Judaism in a direction that's very different than what's in here probably for the better, honestly. Um, and it's just, I wouldn't have ever known just how, yeah, how how much have, things have changed since this was all written down. I also think the the way that you all went about reading the Torah, I think was like very interesting in that like you weren't doing it generally accompanied by like, I don't know, like Rashi or like, the thousands of years of like Jewish thought and philosophy that comes behind it. You know, like that was yeah. not the primary focus. It was like, no, we're reading the raw material. <laughs> not going to focus too much on like the commentary or like the interpretations that other people and like scholars have done. Uh, it was just kind of, you know, first, first take. take. We were kind of messing Firing from the hip. <laughs> we, we, we got into a little bit of Rashi at the beginning, but I think we just like, I think we just kind of, t- we were just tuckered out. After a certain point, I think just... also like how many times can you read the like kind of because like it is true that like I think most people and I think if you want if we were like actual academic scholars, like the way we did it probably isn't super valuable, but we're not. So it doesn't matter. But like I think when you're just reading it raw like that, like I don't know, for me personally, like I started to get kind of frustrated and bored with the like crazy rabbinical takes when you like after the sixth time you realize someone is just making shit up you know what i mean where it's like it's of course it's all made up but where they're just kind of like well what if in this word when they said that he went to the left what he really meant was he traveled so far to the left that he ended up (laughs) in south korea and then he learned how to make kimchi and then he brought that back and then god didn't like the smell and then because of that a lion cut him open and then he had lizards for children and then that's why he does this. Like, how many times can you really read that where you're just like, oh, okay, so, like, everyone is just fucking talking out of their ass. I don't know. The like, way that you put it, I, I could read that a lot. That sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, I guess we were approaching... The guy it, like, makes it all about kimchi. <laughs> <laughs> I was just reading kimchi through it. Yeah, like, we were approaching it sort of like layman, but which I think is not an unworthy way to approach a religious text. 
that has been defined by not that, you know? Well, also, especially since within the text itself, it's kind of like you're not supposed to just let randos read this. Yeah. Yeah. Like – you're supposed like God like God tells Moses, Moses tells the people, and when Moses dies, it goes to another prophet, and when those prophets die, it goes to the priests. Like at no point is fucking Shmuley Mick I'm raising goats ever supposed to like <laughs> open it up and be like, Oh, what's all this shit about uh what's all this shit about property? Yeah. What right. happened to Jubilee? They're like not saying like you're gonna read the Torah every month. They're saying, like, here are the rules. You're going to follow them. Here are the people who are going to tell you the rules. And I think for better or worse, like, someone that I think at some point just got so baffled by them and was like, how about we just read it to everyone every week? Mm-hmm. And we'll try and explain it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Like, and, and that's the thing, too, is, like, within – from reading this all, you have these, like, little bits and pieces of, like, a world – of like stuff that we would agree with more things like jubilee mm-hmm. or things like the weird fucking uh way that like the bible is very very clear about how you're supposed to treat workers which is you, you have to pay them fairly even though this book is full of slaves and shit like, right yeah like i feel like everyone reads this and like kind of picks and chooses and latches on to the stuff they like and we're no exception we like definitely yeah when we got when we got to something we uh we liked that was fit our values we embraced it and when we thought something was stupid we threw it in the trash also just want to mention the podcast's not over baby we're not going anywhere um there's you know there's more movies like the zohan and there's also a whole bunch of books of psalms and king solomon so oh i mean there's like technically there's the rest of the bible like the bible the torah is the torah and the bible is sort of like all of the collected works of ridiculousness that exist with rub your deck right, so, your deck yes um and also i think it means that for some of the serious episodes we can do we can get into some more of the like the truly wacky bits like i still think it would be fun to do an episode about jewish magic yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, Dibix, man Dibix, jewish demons like kind of all the stuff that like there's a, a I think also reading this too and also doing some of our like more historical episodes, you do really come across that there is a kind of intense divide between like Jewish tradition and like Bible tradition and then also just like the weird thing that is like Jewish culture. Yeah. Right? Like you end up with all these people like Emma Goldman and like some of those other people who are like very clearly Jewish and like live and breathe sort of a version of Judaism that's kind of doesn't really have much to do with anything in this text at all or the text itself they're kind of just like we're jewish because that's what we are yeah they're jewish people and there's judaism not always doing the same thing speaking of jewish people uh woody allen is retiring from filmmaking yeah oh good for him By, by retiring from filmmaking, does it mean that people finally stopped giving him money to make films? Probably, yeah. I mean... I don't think that is... No, no probably, probably not, not people, people in, America, in America. But maybe... I feel like the French probably will still have him. By uh, Roman Polanski. Yeah. 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 My cousin's boyfriend like works in the city planning department doing like bike lanes and shit for New York City. And I guess... 
he's done some stuff on the Upper West Side where Woody Allen lives. And, like, Woody Allen now, he just shows up to community meetings and just, like, bitches about, like, <sighs> not putting bike lanes and, like, doesn't follow protocol and just talks out of turn and starts, like, yelling at everyone. Wait, seriously? Yeah. yeah. That's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, wow. That's pretty brave for someone in New York to do that when someone could also just start yelling about him and his wife slash daughter yeah this this is all he has is just yelling at like <laughs> community like zoning board meetings what wow. one of his takes is he like biking around like upset that <laughs> just woody <laughs> allen in the meeting like when you put the picture of a bike on the sidewalk it's not the same as having a bike lane i'm just supposed to bike where the cars go he, he would, would die, die if he got on a bike, bike. like he <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty, pretty confident, confident he would not make it out alive. It would be like the Joe Biden video times. <laughs> <laughs> I'll laugh too oh, when boy. he dies. Probably as much as I laughed when the Queen of England died. That guy fucking sucks. I mean, to be honest, though, you put you put Annie Hall up against whatever the Queen's done. What's the Queen done? I'm taking. She parachuted into the London Olympics. Did she really? No, a stunt double did, but... Wait, what? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Why would you even do that? No, it was like... <laughs> it was with James Bond. Why would you have a stunt double of the Queen do it? That's fire. <laughs> Could you imagine? They were like, we want someone what? who's a, a robustly built stunt double. To play I've, uh, a I, I may or may not have told this story on the podcast before, but... Um, at, at BBYO International Convention in Los Angeles, and I want to say 2012 or 2013, um, they brought in a Bono impersonator and just insisted it was Bono. <laughs> they just Why? To what international? Because there were presumably people from Canada. Well, no, that you know that's a really good point. Oh. No, there's also there's people like it's like a big organization. There's people from all over, all over the world. And the kids from like Belarus or whatever were like, "Yeah, we saw Bono. It was awesome." <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. So anyway, the Queen, whether it's the Queen parachuting into into the Olympics or if it's Bono showing up to BBYO International Convention, that was probably the same person both <laughs> times. So. So wow, Bono was the Queen stunt double. That's crazy. Wow, that's, damn, dude, that's crazy. <laughs> wow, you think, think about, about it. Though. Do we have a review? Does anyone want to give the Bible a review? The Torah mm. a review? Mm. I'll start with it. Five stars for five books, baby. Wow. Perfect book. One star. <laughs> Nothing wrong with it. Per book. Yeah, I mean, I would say just read. The first one, read Genesis, Exodus, and what's after Exodus? And read, read the, the part of the doggy. doggy. Leviticus. No. No, Numbers was fun. Numbers was a little bit more fun than we thought. I should have listened to my friend who is the son of a prominent pastor who said, you don't have to read the whole thing. I mean, many people told <laughs> us that. <laughs> yeah. And they were right, but now we can pass that information along to you. But you should, yeah. I don't know. Here's the thing. Listen to every of our episodes, but you don't have to listen to the whole thing. That's my review. Yeah, absolutely. Also, if you're looking for a thing to read, Josh, I know you've brought it up multiple. Like, you can just read The Golden Compass. 
Yo. Like, that's, Come that's, on. That's, those are good. We, you could <laughs> read them, <Yes>. dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. Uh, I got other book recommend. Like, there's other stuff you could re- – if you, like, kind of feel like you need something to read that will challenge your ideas or whatever or sort of, like, get insight into the world – I this is a, a serious point. I wouldn't read this book not because it's going to fill you up with bad ideas, but because I don't think it's actually going to give you that much insight into yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. And if you need something to listen to, may I suggest Joshua Tree by you too. <laughs> Joshua Tree Great by album. the Queen of England. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't oh, yeah. you? Man, if I was the Queen of England, I would totally put out an album. What are people going to say? It's bad? Me too. Holy fuck. No, if I were any kind of royalty, I'd be like, look at all of these vanity projects. Like, I would be making films. I would be making... <laughs> Damn, I like a movie. I mean, that's, that is essentially like Barack Obama post-presidency is just like Vanity uh-huh. Project City. And Harry and Meghan. Yeah. And uh, Hillary. And she never even made it to the White House. Sure I didn't. Know. Yeah. Bruce Springsteen and Barack Obama had a podcast together. Oh, yeah. They do. And all of our, well, no, I'd say three of our dads probably listen to it. <laughs> they definitely know about it. Um, honestly, I wonder, if the, I wonder if the Bruce Obama podcast, honestly, is more for the moms. Not going to lie. It probably is, actually. I'm, I bet there's some promo material of them looking trim in their little shirts or whatever. You guys should ask dads the like uh, that too. Dads love yeah. that shit. That's true. You should ask the uh, Obama Bruce podcast if you guys want to do a feed swap one week. Where like <laughs> you feature one of their episodes and then they feature one of your episodes. Damn, Damn. that'd be. I think that's. I think that'd be some good uh, publicity for the the pod. <laughs> yeah, I'll tight. just. Uh, I'll, I'll talk to old Barry over there. See what time. <laughs> you know, I think something we, he says. we could do is just. Uh, do a little Photoshop action where we take one of Obama's, like, this is what I've been listening to this year, and just kind of, like, list the episodes of our podcast. I think uh, I think that'd be some good material. We could interview oh, Bari like Weiss. I feel like she probably maybe would do it. There's no oh, way. she absolutely would. You think we could get Bari Weiss? Honestly, Honestly, actually have people who care about what she's... Well, you know, here's the thing. If we, if we were at a similar, like, viewership numbers... If another subject podcast, we're like, we're just, we talk about current events, blah, blah, she might do it, but I feel like because we're explicitly about Jewish stuff, she might catch wind of what we think and maybe not want to talk to us. Uh, yeah, well, or, so or she might free speech. speech. Or she might break winds. <laughs> Let out a big fart. Um, <laughs> just we literally saying. made these jokes on like the last episode. Honk, honk. <laughs> yeah, we're ending in style, much like the Torah. Yeah. Um, all right, well... Barry Weiss, Barry Weiss, Barry, Barry. How about this? Barry Weiss, Barry Obama, Battle of the Berries. Come on the show. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this sucks. <laughs> All right. Um, that has been Smite Me. Thank you for coming, Ethan. Um, Ethan, do you want to tell anyone what's going on? Are you doing fun stuff that people should be paying attention to? Uh, I, just I just made, made a, a Twitter, Twitter bot, bot that, that generates, generates uh, uh, random, random Pokemon, Pokemon names. names. If you want to follow it. <laughs> I think it's kind of funny. <laughs> that does sound funny. What's it called? I'm going to follow this live on air. They won't it's be able to see a, it, but they'll know I'm po- fake Pokemon bot. Nice. Nice. Um, do you have any uh, wishes for Smite Me Nation? Uh, I wish Smite Me Nation. I wish you you have a, a Shana Tova, a lovely Rosh Hashanah. Uh, I wish you 
Um, uh, get a reservation at the best restaurant in town. Treat yourself. Uh, nice occasion. Get the get that order of uh, shishito peppers. They're overpriced, but they're still pretty good. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I wish you health and happiness. All right. Um. Yeah, I guess I would just say thank you to our audience. If you've listened to all 50 of our episodes, uh, you're a hero. You've listened to more Smite Me than I have. Josh. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and yeah, yeah we, we appreciate, appreciate you. Um, we, we hope, hope it uh, has, has been a worthwhile use of your time. Um, don't worry, we're still going to be here. We still have lots of fun things to cover. Um, you can tell us other things to cover now, too. That's right. Or not tell us. You can suggest us. <laughs> yeah, don't tell us what to do. Um, yeah, we don't actually like that.